Hey, Scrum listeners, I have an instant update to this week's episode. Right after we taped it, the LGBTQ advocacy group The Human Rights Campaign announced that Pete Buttigieg will be the keynote speaker at their 2019 Las Vegas dinner this coming Saturday, which makes what you're about to hear even more relevant than we thought. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to The Scrum, WGBH's politics podcast. I'm Adam Riley, and I'm joined here in our Brighton studios right across the street from the headquarters of the Boston Celtics and the Boston Bruins by my colleague, Peter Kadzis. Peter, greetings. Hey, folks. I'm thrilled to say joining me and Peter for this episode are two guests who are making their Scrum debuts. One of them is Sue O'Connell, the host of NECN's The Take and the co-publisher of the LGBTQ paper Bay Windows and the South End News. Sue, thanks for coming Hello, on. hello. Thanks for having me. We also have Susan Ryan Volmar, who gave me some tough love back in the day when she was the <laughs> news editor of the Boston Phoenix, and I was trying to figure things out as a relatively young and very inexperienced reporter. Later, Susan was the editor of Bay Windows. Now she runs her own communication shop, Influence Consulting. And I should note, she's also an occasional commentary contributor to WGBHnews.org. Susan, it is terrific to have you here. Thanks for having me. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Pete Buttigieg, the South Bend mayor turned Democratic presidential hopeful and media darling. Specifically, we're going to be talking about the politics of Buttigieg's sexuality. As all our listeners no doubt know, Buttigieg is a gay man who is seeking to become the first out presidential nominee from either party. Our goal in this installment of the Scrum is to figure out how Buttigieg's sexuality might help him reach the White House and conversely how it could hurt him. But before we do that, Susan and Sue, what do you make of how Buttigieg has talked about being gay on the campaign trail so far? Well, I I think that um, when it has come up, which it seems that we're talking about it more than the campaign trail is talking about it. I mean, I don't really think that there's been questions that I've seen from uh, audience members or town hall folks. I mean, the most that I've seen him talk about it was on Rachel Maddow's show where uh, she asked the sort of obvious elephant in the room question, why did it take you so long to come out? You know, and um, paraphrasing, of course. Um, So I, I think it's an interesting characteristic of his narrative, but I so far have not, and again, we're very early here. It's not like we've got primaries tomorrow. Uh, I I don't know that he's had a lot of opportunity to discuss it. He said a few things, um, and I think they're all right along the lines of what the LGBTQ community would like him to say, but so far, uh, other than his uh, very much needed verbal challenge to Vice President Mike Pence on Mike Pence's stance, I think that's been about it. Yeah. He, he he doesn't talk about it much at all unless he's asked. And the Rado, the Rachel Maddow discussion was very interesting. What was interesting to you about the Maddow discussion? Rachel was very polite, but it, it was essentially what took you so long. Um, to come out. To come out. And she also was a Rhodes Scholar, was the first openly lesbian person to do that, or openly LGBTQ person to apply for that and, and, and get that. Um, and Buttigieg went through all of that closeted. He didn't come out until his 30s. He's only been out, I think, maybe three years, yes, four years. Yes, it's, a, you know, relatively uh, a, a short amount of time, yeah. you know, and um, I think, you know, it, it's it's 
it was an opportunity for that issue to get put on the table for him because, you know, we're going to go through that, that dance that every uh, constituency goes through when one of their own is the first or the most likely to that hasn't been before right. where are you gay enough, are you black enough, are you woman enough, are you, right. you know, so there are going to be issues that, that like that that someone may bring up. So it was a uh, rather safe place for him to discuss those issues. Yeah. On the uh, are you gay enough question. Will there be some people who don't like the fact that he waited as long as he did to come out? Is that a potential knock against him? Yes. <laughs> there, I, I think in the politics that we're in now, he, being gay is a plus for him. If, if he were a lesbian, we wouldn't be talking about him. If he were straight white Pete Buttigieg, we would not be talking about him. So in this particular moment in history, being gay is really fortunate for him. And I think a lot of people might be holding their fire. Like he is, the gayest thing about him is his husband. I mean, he is so... <laughs> Chasen, right? Yes, he's very straight-laced. He is, um, you know, you know what I'm talking about, and I'm afraid to say it out loud. No, you got to <laughs> say it out loud. That's, this is a That's podcast. That's why I'm sitting here waiting for you to say it, so I don't have to say it. He is very vanilla. Right. He is very, and I'm using air quotes, I know it's a podcast, very acceptable. Right. Yes. So he is the person that, you know, if you were to come home, if you were a white man, right, and you were gay and you said to your parents, I'm bringing my gay lover home for Thanksgiving, this is the guy you that want. your parents would want you to bring home. Right. And because he's only been out, you know, and I, I actually am of the... I, People come out at their own rates for their own reasons and their own ways. Uh, so I'm less concerned that he hasn't been out that long or why he hasn't been out earlier. But it also has saved him having a lot of baggage uh, and a lot of things that, and, uh, and I mean in terms of political action, uh, decisions that he made, uh, life choices that he, he might have made that might have become baggage for him had he been openly gay when he did them. I don't know what they are. I mean, I'm just, you know, kind of spitballing here. Well, when, well, you know, to paraphrase George W. Bush, when you're young and irresponsible, you're young, young and, and irresponsible. irresponible. And so he was not out when he was young and irresponsible, right? So that exactly. that that will be that part of his identity will be divorced from any mm -hmm. questionable decisions right. that he may have made in his youth. Peter, I see you wanting to hop yeah, in well, here. Uh, no, this prompts a couple of observations from me. One, your point well taken about him being your word, vanilla. I mean, I went to an all-boys school uh, when Boston Latin School was all boys, and he reminds me of some guys I went to school with who, you know, no one talked about it in those days, but who we all assumed were gay, and lo and behold, around 25, we found out they were. So, I mean, and, you know, these are guys who are now out, and one's a lawyer, and one's in real estate, and one's a banker. So, you know, there there is that reality. The other thing about his age, and he is a guy without a lot of experience, incredibly appealing. Um, um, and I, I, I think he's not John Kennedy-esque, but intellectually he is, where you get to write a lot, you get to project a lot onto him. And I never thought of the fact that he's only been out for, you know, a, a smaller period of his life as part of his political inexperience. Now for my question, is there any um, parallel or corollary to 
Barack Obama in the question of how you know how black oh, was sure. Barack oh, Obama. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. And I think that Definitely. those 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 will always exist. You know, whenever whenever you have a candidate or someone who's uh, in the public eye, and and they're repre- you know, my mother used to have a saying. My mother was born in 1920, and she used to say that everyone always expects that the first of anything is going to be the best representation of that group when it's usually just the most acceptable, right? Yes. So Libby mm-hmm. Dole, you know, I think was one that's of the, a great, well, that's yeah, a very you know, interesting. We wrap it up right there, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's for good or bad. And you know, Barack Obama is a, is a great example of that. He's in and the terrible, uh, you know, insults, if you will, saying he wasn't black enough. You know, when he was running, but in some weird way, didn't that make him more acceptable to some people? You know, and it's the same way with Buttigieg, yeah. and it will be the same, you know, uh, with whatever the first of whatever the next is. You know, so it's a, it's a common human reaction. I yeah. think. Susan Ryan Volmar, yes. have we said explicitly the thing that you only alluded to and danced around a few minutes ago? Has that point been made? I think vanilla is a good expression. Yes. No, I think we're, not miss, that, we're missing something. Not, not, uh, I think, not that I, there's anything wrong with New, being vanilla. New York, New York Magazine, people. as they talked about Buttigieg's attributes and how people might respond well to them, said that he was gay but not too gay and that was one of the, yeah. the many attributes they identified is that what is that what you're saying here that there are going to be some people who think Buttigieg is just not gay enough there are definitely people who will say that and th- i'm on a number of email lists with progressive activists and whatnot a lot of them lgbtq and they really just don't like him it's hard to judge someone's journey coming out but i think there is judgment that he's had it awfully easy even though he hasn't had it easy. If you listen to him talk, and especially on that Maddow interview, it was awful. And, I mean, that's just a truism with coming out now. Was it in the Maddow interview when he said that if he could have taken a pill to eliminate mm-hmm. his sexuality, he would. I don't think it. I, I don't think it was, and I should know right off the top of my I don't head where think he it said was that. that but I, don't I can't it was find now. that. But see, that is so offensive. It is so like it's so offensive for somebody like me to hear that, and yet I understand it. It wasn't my experience, and for people much older to hear somebody in their thirties having a much easier time than we did, saying, "If I could only have taken a pill." Why is that so offensive? He's he's had it much easier because it's so much easier. And it this is, is so a, much you easier. kids get off, this is our you kids get off my lawn moment. Yeah, okay. It it is so much easier. I'm just reacting as a human being, yeah. saying, knowing what I went through. Oh my gosh, you've had it so much easier. However, I know so many young people now in the state of Massachusetts, some of them who even have gay parents who have a wrenching, wrenching, right. traumatic time coming out. Yeah. It's not easy to come out. It never will right. be. Right, and I didn't mean yeah. to make it sound like yeah. it is, but from our perspective... From, yes, exactly. That's what I, I mean to say, that from our perspective, it is... Right. You've, you can go to a school counselor. Yeah. You know, it, it, there, there's lots of more... So it, it's hard to relate to someone in their 30s saying it, it was, was so hmm. bad. I when, wanted to take a pill to when, make me straight. Yeah. Your uh, friends, associates... Yeah. Um, on your email list, what candidates, if any, um, do they prefer? I think the goal, no surprise, people just want Trump out of the White House. He's one of the least progressive people in the Democratic field right now, which is, I you don't, don't, th- don't you no. think he's in the middle? You know what I think? Where do you think he no. is? You, the more I listen to him and the more, like, he will not put anything down on paper. His You go to his website and it's yeah. a black hole in yeah. terms of issues. But when you hear him talk about climate change, um, health care, 
the economy, he sounds like Elizabeth Warren. He is all he's just channeling Elizabeth Warren. Like Elizabeth Warren says, I'm for capitalism, but with a cop on the beat. He says, I'm for democratic capitalism. Capitalism without democracy is Russia. You know, that's the same thing. Well, I got to tell you, I I think you're on to something there. I wouldn't disagree. Um, In the most recent episode of Veep. (laughs) Which I've never seen. I've never seen it either. I'm I'm watching. and I can act it out for you. I'm watching her um, (laughs) recycle and talk back what's being said to her. And I I think... uh, Buttigieg is very much a uh, uh, an act in progress. Before we move on to the political upside and the political downside, which we've sort of hinted at but haven't tackled uh, full on yet, another framing question or a final framing question. It seems to me that there have been occasions where he's used humor to talk about his sexuality. I'm thinking of an interview in which he joked about liking Chick-fil-A and not liking their politics, but enjoying their chicken and and quip that maybe he could be part of brokering a peace there. Um, I can't remember where that was. That was on The Breakfast Club. And I listened to that. And when I heard him say that, I had a flash of rage go through my brain. <laughs> Interesting. And, uh, and but that's something I would say. It wouldn't make me angry if you said it because you're funny. <laughs> And you're and not, not running, running for president. president. So it made no one angry. would accuse you of trying to be nice. I assume it, it made it angry that he said it because Chick-fil-A's politics are execrable. And, you and it's a like real him. thing. Yeah. It's a real thing. But well, he's got to appeal ask... to a general, you know, if we're going to look at the winning, winning the Democrat, winning the primary, winning the general, he's going to have to appeal to people who eat, which of there are many at Chick-fil-A and who also may support LGBT rights. There was another instance that I think of. It was when Peter and I watched those five hours of CNN town halls. Oh, yes. And <laughs> Anderson Cooper asked him about coming out later in life and I, I think what effect that had. And Buttigieg, again, sort of made an understated joke in which he said if he'd come out earlier, he probably wouldn't have gotten as much done in his 20s. And, you know, the man was a Rhodes Scholar. He's now a mayor at 37. Uh, he was, uh, you know, in the military. Does that does that seem I have a take problematic? on that. Give it to us. That's <laughs> okay. what you're here for. This is the difference between gay men and lesbians. <laughs> Rachel Maddow was out as a Rhodes Scholar and out when she was quite young. She's written several books and she's, um, I don't think she's any slouch. Yeah, so whether she was in or out didn't impact her ability to uh, Get do all those done. things. But again, it seems like here we have an instance in which you guys have that reaction, but for your mainstream mm-hmm. voter who might have been apprehensive back in the day about a gay politician or a gay president, but maybe is a little more comfortable with it now, that might be exactly the sort of thing he needs uh, yeah, to say I, to I, continue making them more Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I actually I disagree with Susan in that I think the more that he can disarm you know, disarm the sex part of the fact that he's gay, you know, because there are still a great number of Americans who, if you say LGBTQ, the first thing they think about is sex. They don't think about civil rights or your mother, your sister, or your uncle. And as long as he can continue to uh, address it and disarm it, then he will become more appealing uh, candidate in the general election and certainly in the primary. Peter Kansas. Let, let me ask a general question, and I'm asking this question from the point of view of an East Coast provincial. I really 
you know, I've been to other parts of the country and I can appreciate the differences, but my sensibilities were a prisoner of Boston, New York, and Providence, Rhode Island. I mean, so to me, I wonder how Midwest is he? And here's I'll the, just leave it at that. Here's how, how in where, Adam, I'm partly yeah, looking at you. I hop in and say that people who spend a lot of time on the coast tend to think of the Midwest as a monolith, and it is anything but. I mean, I grew up in the Twin well, good Cities answer. in Minnesota, no, no. a very gay-friendly community back then. When I was growing up in the 70s and 80s, well, I shouldn't say very gay-friendly as a, a straight guy. It's probably offensive for me to say that, but <laughs> I, I think it is. Susan's feeling all that rage again. No, I don't want the real-time on-air edit from Susan, but you, you, you have the... Uh, you have the metropoles, right? The Twin Cities, Chicago, Madison, Wisconsin, and then you have the hinterlands. So it's more of, I think, an urban-rural thing, probably, than it is a coastal versus Midwest thing. No, but that that's fair comment. But then from uh, an urban, you know, a, a, a flyover urban area, and I'm asking sort of everyone, I'm looking at Adam because th- th- that's where he's from, but to what degree is is that a factor? I can see it in Klobuchar. I mean, the urban, the Chicago. I can see the difference in her and Harris, for example. Harris is very yeah, coastal. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So Klobuchar how, how, is very yeah. Chicago. So you're asking more how Midwestern is he as opposed to how Midwestern gay is yeah, he? Yes, how well yes, yes, yes. Um, he seems kind of Midwestern to he me. He's pretty you know? gay, so he seems pretty Midwestern and pretty gay, so it all works out. Soft-spoken, <laughs> polite. Um, I mean, I know when I was for one week in Oklahoma, was it Oklahoma? I don't even know where I was. Uh, I thought everybody, all the men in the airport were gay, and it turns out they were just Midwesterners who were really neat and wore chinos. So <laughs> as I kept saying, wow, this place is so gay. And then I looked around, and I went, I, they're just not like us East Coasters. So, I mean, you know, he strikes me as being very Midwest. Very clean cut, young man. Very clean cut. (laughs) How about religion? Isn't it nice to have a Democratic candidate who talks about their religion and their religious beliefs and actually apparently attends church (laughs) and knows the Bible and can counter uh, those who are conservative and religious and, uh, you know, really focusing on stripping LGBTQ people of their, their rights? We should probably actually at this point play some of the sound of what Buttigieg had to say. It was at an award ceremony, right? He was receiving an award and weighed in on Mike Pence and Mike oh, Pence's yeah. take on what it means to be gay. Speaking only for myself, I can tell you that if me being gay was a choice, it was a choice that was made far, far above my pay grade. And that's the thing I wish the Mike Pence's of the world would understand. That if you got a problem with who I am, Your problem is not with me. Your quarrel, sir, is with my creator. What's interesting for me when I hear someone like Pete Buttigieg talk about religion in this way, Hillary Clinton talked about her religion. She was much more private, but she did talk about it. Elizabeth Warren talks about it. Um, But when Pete talks about it, it is so, so personal because people like Mike Pence are attacking him and saying he cannot be Christian because he is gay. And also, let's be clear, I think we're all in agreement that the only person, the only type of person in this country who couldn't really run for president and win is an atheist or an agnostic, right? Yeah. That's a So, really I good mean, point. everybody else has, has a good shot <laughs> at get running, but I, I can't see in my lifetime anybody 
who doesn't have a church, doesn't have a synagogue, doesn't have a belief system, and then talk about it, ha- having a, an, a, an opportunity to win. And I think he actually really believes his his religion, which I think that authenticity comes comes forth from him. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the political upside and political downside, which again, we've danced around, but let, let's go at it directly. As you know, a few days ago, the New York Times ran a piece titled, As Buttigieg Builds His Campaign, Gay Donors Provide the Foundation. That includes here in Boston, right? He's done some fundraising here. What have you heard about when it comes to uh, people here in Massachusetts giving him money and helping him get money? Maybe we should set the table a little bit. That There is a monstrous, <laughs> monstrous institutional political donation system of LGBTQ yeah. people in the United States of America, okay? It was it was built, I think, probably in the mid-'80s. Really uh, came into its own during Clinton's first run for office. And it's built through the advocacy of HIV and AIDS work, yeah. health work. It's from local community health centers. And then you've got the Human Rights Campaign, the largest LGBTQ political organization in the country, as well as the Victory Fund, which helps to fund openly gay candidates, LGBTQ candidates to run. There are local uh, arms, the New York Stonewall Democrats. It might have been a Victory yeah. Fund award ceremony where he he, he uh, made took that statement. Anyway. So there is a vast, to quote Hillary Clinton in a way, a vast <laughs> network of uh, connected donors who are not only connected and get information, but are willing to open their checkbooks and write very big checks. And so far, the majority of what I see uh, Buttigieg's uh, fundraising, it's from the HRC. Uh, a gay list, much of that being white men who are uh, showing up in ways that they did for Hillary Clinton, white gay men, for Hillary Clinton and for Barack Obama before. The names of the people who are, you know, giving, uh, like Brian Raffanelli, uh, who is the who was who did Chelsea Clinton's wedding. He's here in Boston. He's here in yeah. Boston. Great friend of mine, event planner. Uh, his partner, Mark Walsh, who w- worked for Hillary uh, Clinton and Secretary of State. He also ran for office locally. And then you've got folks like um, Ryan Murphy, the entertainment uh, producer. So there's a whole Rufus list. Gifford. Yes, Rufus Gif- Gifford, Stephen Sondheim. Uh, so there's a whole list of a you know, yes. AAA gay men who are supporting this. Certainly women are going. Certainly women are raising money as well. But he has just tapped into the main vein of the LGBT. And, and one important point, I think, is just because they're giving money, that's not necessarily an endorsement of his candidacy. It's they may have given to other people, but they want to support him as well and they can afford to do so. Yeah, so they can lift his campaign up, they can fund his campaign, and they may also be supporting other candidates. Yeah. Do you see that infrastructure that you were talking about being We're an not asset. supposed to talk about it out loud, so we oh, okay. may have to kill why, you after this episode. Why, no, why is that? That's so... I mean, maybe no, because no, I'm are, so political, <laughs> I, I understand. No, but I, 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 you don't see it discussed. You don't hear it discussed. Well, you do if you're a Democrat. I mean, you know, yeah. you, you do if you're, if, if, you're, if you're even on the local level, the gay dollar, the pink dollar, if they'll call it, is, you yeah. know, if you can, if you can tap into, into that stream, there's a, there's a cascade of money that comes your way. And I, I mean, I don't think it's a secret. I mean, I'm kind of joking yeah. around about it because yeah. people think it's like the gay agenda. It's but gay it mafia. is the gay mafia. Is the vast gay mafia that <laughs> you just described, uh, are, are they going to be an asset to Buttigieg, not just financially, <laughs> but also 
electorally when it comes to things like door knocking mm -hmm. and lid dropping or phone banking? Or is the upside there not necessarily as clear? Susan, you look like maybe maybe I'm I'm wrong imagining an uh, uh, advantage there as well. Money helps. You need boots on the ground. I think his biggest vulnerability is his almost complete and utter lack of appeal to black voters. Mm -hmm. And if I, as a white voter, I that's, for me, his... I, a not unimportant Democratic yeah. constituency. Yeah. And I mean, as far as boots on the ground, too, as someone who was a volunteer and a board member at the Human Rights Campaign in the early 90s, uh, I found myself sitting in many a union hall making calls for various candidates. So along with that money will come okay. uh, bodies. But again, it depends on, um, you know, where <laughs> where where the, the they really want to endorse and where they'll be. I mean, it, it's going get, to get to a situation. I mean, the Human Rights Campaign endorsed Hillary Clinton in the last election very early, even before the primaries, and ahead of other Democratic candidates who were much more progressive mm. and were much more pro-LGBT marriage equality than she was. So it's going to be interesting for groups like HRC to Human Rights Campaign to see, you know, if they can't endorse Pete, <laughs> Mayor Pete, who, who can they yeah. endorse, right? I, I sort of feel compelled to put on the record that while I find him an extremely interesting candidate, intellectually interesting, and he represents, you know, what people today would say is sort of interesting space in this crowded field. To me, he's the thinking person's Beto O'Rourke, with the emphasis on thinking, because he uh, appeals to there. But um, I um, want to be convinced that there's some there there. Yeah. I, I do think because of the fluidity of America's political situation at the moment, that he's someone who cannot be written off the way I would write off Beto. But um, I don't know. Susan, you mentioned earlier that Buttigieg being gay is a way to differentiate himself from the other white guys in yeah. the field and that that's advantageous. Yeah. I'm wondering if there is another boost that he might get, which is the excitement that he could generate among non-gay voters uh, at being part of participating in a first, just the way that so many people were excited who were not African-American about electing the first African-American president when Obama won the first time. Could there be a similar dynamic with, I'm thinking in particular, younger voters? But there was a poll that came out recently which said now 70% of Americans are comfortable with or very excited about the idea of a gay president, a huge change from just a few years ago. So is that another potential upside that people who don't share all his demographic traits um, like the idea of, yeah, hey, here's a, here's a, uh, um, here's a, uh, what's the right way to put it? Here's a first that we can be a part of achieving. I think that's absolutely true. There's, uh, and I don't want to discount, I, I'm a little bit, you know, the 50-something cynical gay. <laughs> I, I do think there is a lot of excitement among a lot of other LGBTQ people seeing him as a first, especially when the announcement he and his husband kissed. Like, that's a huge, huge. moment a for so deal. many people. It's a very big deal, and especially for younger people. And that student just came out at the at the Mormon University. That's right. Um, Brigham, Brigham, yeah. uh, uh, and, uh, Brigham Young. Brigham Young. Uh, and came out during his... his his, his valedictorian, valedictorian speech. speech and said that he came out because of um, Mayor Pete and the example that he was setting. Yeah. So, you know, we can't we can't we're, again, we're, we're old and cranky and get off my lawn a little bit. But it is extremely <laughs> exciting to have an openly gay person 
running for president who actually, you know, is in the race. And I think, yes, I think that there's a lot of people who would like to be a first of that. Although I, you know, I have to say that identity politics is a very funny thing that I know that when I went in, when Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton were running against each other the first time, and I was thinking about Barack Obama, how I was going to vote for Barack Obama. Then I got in and said, oh, God, I have to vote for Hillary. And I voted for Hillary. And then one of huh. my male male friends went in and went, I was voting for Hillary. And then I got in and went, no, I'm going to vote for Barack. <laughs> so, I mean, you just don't know what's going to happen. Let's talk possible downside. Back He's in gay. April. There, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> He's gay. Let's He's gay and he doesn't have a lot of experience. <laughs> uh, back in April, Patrick Ruffini, a Republican strategist, tweeted, for everyone spun up about Russia, would Putin fear Buttigieg? LOL. He later <laughs> deleted the tweet, but a lot of people, myself included, thought it was sort of weird that he'd picked him out of the entire field, especially since he has a military background. Uh, what do you, what, what well, do you make of that? Oh, go, okay, Peter. But before, Khrushchev supposedly, not supposedly, <laughs> Khrushchev scared the pants off a young president, John Kennedy. I'm banging my shoe on the yeah. table, just for those of you. For, for those of a certain age. And it was John Kennedy who, you know, put Khrushchev's feet to the fire in the Cuban Missile Crisis. Now, I'm not saying that Mayor Pete, I'm not making that mistake, I'm not saying <laughs> Mayor Pete would be... Oh, but you're, the, saying, you're saying that could have been Ruffini... Going after the the young, mild mannered, yeah. khaki wearing guy, as opposed to okay, okay, that's. A, I that's mean, a what, good I, what I'm saying is, we don't know. All right, I do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, no, so no. You, you what, think there's no on, ambiguity? In I that. don't think there's any ambiguity. Just what a coincidence that he goes after. Oh, oh I don't mean him going after. Oh. I'm knocking it down. I'm right. saying we don't know. In, in other words, any untested, relatively young person in the presidency, we don't know how they're going to act. But Peter, just to be clear here, you were I, I thought you were saying that, that you didn't necessarily, in that tweet, sense homophobia. You thought it Oh, I did. Been, of course did. I did. Okay. What okay. I'm saying is I'm just moving beyond the okay. tweet. Okay. I'm talking about the real issue here is what... How would he act as gotcha. commander-in-chief? Okay, little, so you and Susan are on the same page. No, there. a little footnote here. When Barack Obama, when the, um, you know, a cargo ship or a freighter um, was taken over by pirates, it was like huge news, the speculation as to would Obama allow the SEALs to shoot the guy. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, of course he's going to. But I mean, no, yeah, it's, yeah. I just said he's president, they've taken the ship, the SEALs will be there, of course he's going to let the But... It was announced on television like, you know, he had nuked Russia. So, so I guess the bigger topic I wanted to get us into is the extent to which what seemed like overt statements of homophobia would become a part of the mm -hmm. push against Buttigieg. Yeah. I, guess, I was thinking if he's the nominee, but maybe I should be asking about the primary too. Do you guys expect oh, to see overt manifestations yeah, of absolutely. homophobia? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think we're about a day away from uh, if, if, if Buttigieg like attacks Trump in some way or Trump policy directly or tweets directly at Trump or gets into Trump's sites, I, I, I would not be shocked if President Trump called him a sissy 
by tweeting. I mean, that, yeah. that's that's that kind of language, that kind of Or maybe assault. something a little more subtle, like Precious Pete or something. <laughs> I would like that, though. Precious no. Pete would be. So, I mean, but I, I really think that that's going to be part of, of the mix. I mean, we've already seen there's been this attack on him. Right. That, that you know, these nut jobs have concocted. You're talking a, Jacob like, Wall and his, his fellow right-wing he, troll who came up with the fake, apparently fake medium post in which yeah. a young man who has since recanted said that he was sexually assaulted by people. Now, that's an extreme, but that's the world that we live in. And there's definitely going to be those attacks. You know that there's there's hundreds of, of folks combing through information and websites and social postings looking for anything that they can use against everybody, obviously, but against Mayor Pete in a way that is going to make him seem like a dangerous homosexual. Susan, do you agree? Oh, I, absolutely. Trump attacks will only help him. We're even seeing that with Joe Biden. Yeah, he's practically Joe Biden's campaign manager right now, President Trump is. I I mean, there's no doubt about it. The president, President Trump, attacking any of these Democrats is a plus. I mean, Trump's advisors are trying to get him to shut up. And I know this is sort of like spitting in the wind a bit, but, you know, it's not a plus if President Trump attacks Mayor Pete based on homophobia for the millions of LGBT people across the country. It, it, and it, we shouldn't be shocked, and we won't be shocked, but it will be it will be a disaster. Peter, you're not buying it? You made sort of no, a... No, no, uh, I think, I'll, I'll tell you, I think that Trump attacks, it, 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 it may poison a nasty atmosphere now, but in hardball political terms, attacks on Trump, attacks from Trump of any sort on almost any Democrat in the field is a plus for Democratic primary voters. Got it. Susan, do you think that there will be, and I should I should note, I don't want to ignore the uh, Franklin Graham tweets after Buttigieg came out and, and you know, pushed back at Pence, the Franklin Graham tweets in which he said you can't be gay and, right. and be a Christian. So I don't want to imply there's been uh, a dearth of homophobia to date, but do you think that there will be homophobic statements made by either other Democrats in the field or surrogates for other Democrats in the field as the primary goes on? Or is it something you're more worried about coming from, you know, the other side? And I'm using air quotes, especially in the general. It will definitely come from the other side. I don't think I see other candidates doing it. I'm curious to know what Sue thinks about surrogates. I could see a situation where surrogates might try that. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's definitely an opportunity for a surrogate. It's a very high risk. I mean, we just talked about all the gay money we all have. <laughs> Not us, but uh, the other people. Uh, and the, and the, the donations and all that. I mean, if, 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 if that were an attack done poorly and done wrong, it could really cost the surrogates candidate in, in all sorts of ways. So I think that, although we all know how dirty politics is, I don't think it's because it's they're good people. I think it's because the risk would be way too high. Before we had this conversation, I was reading through a Twitter thread from a guy named Alex Griswold. He's a reporter at the Washington Examiner, and I think he makes some some pretty good points, frequently points that I don't hear made elsewhere. He was noting that in hypothetical head-to-head matchups with President Trump, Buttigieg so far has routinely fared worse than most other Democrats. He's either been the lowest performer or the second lowest performer. I'm wondering if, and correlation I know is not causation, I'm wondering if that might reflect some kind of baked-in, not overtly acknowledged homophobia on the part of some members of the electorate, or maybe I'm just looking for a link there that, uh, you know, is completely conjectural. What do you think? I, I, I would I would 
I would bow over to Peter as well and say it might also just have a lot to do with how inexperienced. Uh, you know, I, I famously once dis- discounted Bernie Sanders as a not serious candidate when he got in the race, and we see how that has worked out over me, the past. Me too, by the way. And I, as soon as M- Mayor Pete got in the race, I'm like, really? A mayor? You know, before I knew anything about him. And, and I, I honestly can't see a future where a mayor of a small town regardless of their skill set is is considered uh that we should be shocked that he's at the bottom of the list uh, let, let me give you the results of uh the Kadzis family Easter poll <laughs> 14, this is a bellwether 14 people by the way it's proven to be pretty good um a uh, couple of Trump voters in here by the way who now realize it was the biggest mistake of their life, but widespread interest in Mayor Pete. Um, but the younger the respondent was, this was just before dessert, still not too much to drink yet. Um, the younger they were, the more they worried about his experience with the older people less concerned about that. Interesting. Now, I, all I'm saying is that was a snapshot of Easter Sunday, and I think it was fairly representative of how you know, typically Democratic voters around mm-hmm. New England might think, yeah, I, just I, for what that's I'd worth. also just say four years ago, I think I I said I can't see a fake a fake millionaire who hosts a reality show becoming president either. So what do I know? Well, you weren't alone. <laughs> I did not make that mistake. I never predicted it, but I always thought he should have been taken seriously because I have such a fear or belief in the dark side of American politics. Susan Ryan Volmar and Sue O'Connell, is there anything that you didn't get to touch on up until now that you want to touch on before Anything we you really up? want to say, Susan? Anything you really want to put out there? <laughs> it's that smile she has on her face. It I is. know no, she's, no. she's holding no, something back. There is nothing worse than the moment when the recording stops and the guest just we unleashes. Have, we have so, all been yelled at by her, so we know, we know there's stuff going on in there. So Susan Ryan Volmar, spill it. This is just an observation, and it's not <laughs> – they're all laughing at me for the viewers at home who can't see. Um, I, th- I think, yes, the idea of a mayor from a small Midwestern city becoming president seems crazy. But I think the experience that mayors have is so, so valuable to politics. As a mayor, he has to go out and talk to everybody – regardless of whether they voted for Trump, Clinton. There are probably people in his hometown who voted for Barack Obama twice, Trump once, and him. He has to talk to everybody, and he he's also learning how to talk to people and, as Sue noted, disarm them about the fact that he's a sexual being with his <laughs> husband um, and that he's gay. And that's, that's a skill, and I think that will come up in the debates. And, I, you know, thinking person's O'Rourke. All right, that is going to do it for another episode of The Scrum. Susan Ryan Volmar, Sue O'Connell, thank you guys for being here. This thank was you. A lot it's been of fun. fun, 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 fun. And as always, thanks to you for listening. If you haven't already subscribed to The Scrum, it is high time to fix that. You can get us at iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, really pretty much everywhere, so you have no excuse not to subscribe. If you want to weigh in on this episode, the best way to catch us is probably on Twitter. Peter is at Kansas. 
I'm at Riley Adam. And Sue and Susan, can we give out your Twitter handles? Yeah, if I could remember what it is. But okay. you can usually find me defending Adam on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that happened true. a couple weekends ago. That's true. And Susan Ryan Volmar? S.R. Volmar. S.R. Volmar. All right. Finally, heartfelt thanks to our engineer, Doug Shugarts, and to Andrew Masawa, who gave us crucial production help. I'm Adam Riley. The Scrum is a production of WGBH News.